0: Welcome to the 118th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we will be talking about it. Today is February 11th, 2019, and we are recording in the middle of the great Seattle snowpocalypse. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and I am 50% of this year's show. With me, as always... Corey Motley, staff writer Game Critics. How you doing, Corey?
1: Um, I don't want to piss you off too much, but um, it is warm in New Orleans. Our windows to our house Ooh. are open. Oh. It is 74 degrees oh. in the house. You were stabbing actually, me in the heart, sir. You were killing me. During, Literally killing me right here.
0: <laughs> during our little
1: intermission, I actually had to like open the bedroom door and turn the fan on on the ceiling because it was getting a little too... Warm in here, but it also could have been warm to reflect the fiery banter that we just recorded.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, folks, pour yourself some sweet tea and take off your shoes, cool off a little bit because, yes, that was a fiery banter section. Uh, comes after the closing music as usual. Feel free to stick around for that. Uh, but yeah, uh, Corey's uh, sweating and hot in New Orleans, and we are buried under like a foot of snow up here in Seattle most snow we've had in like a decade. It's fucking crazy. It is chaos. There is rioting in the streets. It's bad, bad, bad. (laughs) But that's not going to stop this podcast. Hell no. We are here to talk about some games. That's just what we are going to do. So I guess let's just get right down to it. Um, We have a bunch of stuff on the docket today, and I think we're going to start in with our good friend Resident Evil 2. Corey, you've been playing (laughs) a lot of this game lately, I've been playing some. I got a little bit to contribute at the end, but I'm gonna let you lead off here. Let's do a quick check in on Resi 2. What's the story? Uh, If I had
1: to be scientifically accurate about how much I've been playing this game, to use precise science terms. Is it a shitload? I, I was going to say, I've been playing the fuck out of this game. It is t- <laughs> it's like, so like I beat it once and like, I'm not going to do spoilers or anything yet. Cause we'll do that later once you finish it. But just like to give everybody an idea. So like I played, cause technically you have Leon scenario A and scenario B and you have Claire scenario A and scenario B. So like technically you can beat the game like four times to kind of get like all the campaign stuff out of it. I played Leon scenario A, I played Claire scenario B I played Leon Scenario A, or Leon Scenario B, and then I played Leon Scenario A. No, that may be wrong. No, I did Claire Scenario A, because that was the last one I hadn't done. And when I got to Claire Scenario A, I decided that I was going to try to um, do like a speed run, because in Resident Evil 2, um, there are, if you beat the game under certain... Difficulty settings under certain amounts of time. There's different like rankings you can get, very much like the old Resident Evil or the original Resident Evil 2. And for the speed run, um, if you play it on standard difficulty, or you can play it on hardcore difficulty, and you can basically like double dip. But I'm not ready for hardcore mode yet because I don't think I just don't think I'm ready for that. Um, but I played it on. Um, standard mode on Claire's scenario A. And if you play either of their scenario A's, you have to beat it in less or fewer than three and a half hours. And with scenario B, you have to beat it in fewer than three hours because scenario B is slightly more condensed. Um,
0: Let me me pause you for a second, just so we can kind of explain this a little bit, Uh, because it is kind of confusing if you don't know how this works or how the original works. So correct me if I'm wrong you have two characters, Claire and Leon. You can pick either of them when you start a game. So if you do, for example, Leon A, that means you chose Leon to begin the game with. And then once you beat the game with Leon, that takes you to Claire, which would be Claire's scenario B. And then if you wanted to see Claire A, you would have to pick her first and Leon would be B because he would come second. Is that correct? That is correct. And before you get into the details of your unlocks, which I 100% do want to hear about, Are there significant differences between, like, for example, Leon A and Claire A, or is it just you pick one first? I mean, the cutscene's different. Is there some, like, what is the difference between them other than simply having different main characters to start with? Is there anything else to it? Um, There's not a lot
1: different. It's very similar to the PlayStation 1 version. So, like, obviously the cutscenes are all different, um, but sometimes the cutscenes will, like, intermingle, you know, like, but they basically play the same, um, they each have different specific weapons. So Leon, um, has a pistol that only he gets and Claire has this like revolver that only she gets. Um, Leon gets a shotgun. Claire gets a grenade launcher. Leon gets like a desert Eagle style Magnum and Claire gets a, um, like a little submachine gun, Leon gets a chemical flamethrower. Claire gets a spark gun thing um, where you, like, shoot. It's called spark shot. You, like, shoot, like, this, like, electrical thing. It's it's kind of like a big old stun gun, like a a grenade launcher-sized stun gun. You, like, shoot the spark into the enemy, and you can hold right trigger. And it basically keeps damaging them for about five seconds if you hold it long enough. And then at the end, if you don't get attacked, it kind of does, like, kind of like a bigger electrical explosion kind of thing. So they each have their own weapons and then they each have their own like kind of like side characters so like Leon has Ada as his partner for some of the campaign um, just like in the old version and there is a section where you play as her um, much like in the old one the section is not remotely the same as it was in the original but you do play as her for a while and Claire has has Sherry who she she's like a I don't know, like a 13 year old girl a 12 year old girl where she takes care of for part of the campaign and then Sherry has her own section also nothing like the original like pretty much the ada and the sherry sections are like completely original for the new version
0: um let me ask you this then if you do if you change them up if you do leon a and then you get a claire a like is there ever a point at which claire works with ada and leon works with sherry or does, does that does that matter or does it not matter
1: uh they there's no crossover um with okay like if you play leon's campaign you you end up seeing sherry like once toward the end if you play in Claire's campaign you never see Ada that I remember I don't think
0: okay okay continue continue
1: um so I mean that's basically it and like you were talking about a while back um about how like Dan at Game Critics had been talking about the way that scenario A and scenario B kind of overlap because in the original like you're kind of led to believe that like Leon or whoever scenario A you play, like scenario B, it's, it's like different enough, but it's not super different. And that's pretty similar to how it is this time around. Like the scenario Bs are, they're less different than they were in the PlayStation one version, which is kind of disappointing. Um, I also found them to be a little bit more difficult than scenario A, given certain circumstances that I won't spoil. Um, but it's basically this, like, probably about, like, Scenario B is, like, a slightly condensed version of Scenario A um, with, like, a little bit less, like, faffing. It's more kind of, like, to the point, and it's a little bit quicker, but it's also a little bit harder because it kind of, like, pushes you into the deep end just a little bit faster than Scenario A does. But there's, like, a lot of crossover between Scenario A and Scenario B, like, kind of to the point where it is a little bit disappointing, um, but it's certainly not, like, a game-breaker or anything, Um but I did all of that and I did ended up, I want to give a shout out. I don't think he listens to the podcast. I don't even know if he knows the podcast exists. Um, but there's a guy that I follow on Twitter. His name is Mike Russo and his Twitter handle is Mike at arms underscore between Mike and at and at and arms. Um, I don't know. I have no idea how I met Mike. Um, I don't, we probably just have been following each other on Twitter forever, probably for years. Um, But he kind of came to my rescue because I was tweeting about wanting to do a speed run, but that I had just sort of envisioned myself like basically just putting a YouTube video on and just like following the YouTube video like second by second as I was playing it, which didn't really sound like a lot of fun. But in the speed run, by the way, um, if you get an S rank on standard, you get a pistol that has unlimited ammo, which is like amazing because ammo is super scarce in the game. And if you, I think if you do hardcore mode and get an S rank, um, then you get like an unlimited submachine gun, I think is what it is. Um, And he actually sent me, he started DMing me on Twitter and he sent me a link to this uh, Reddit post that was basically like kind of like a big text document that just kind of had a breakdown of like piece by piece of the campaign, what you're supposed to do. And it's sort of like specifically written for people like me who, you know, haven't beat the game 50 times over and know everything and, you know, want to suddenly do the speed run now that, they have all this info. It's kind of aimed more toward people who've played it like a couple of times and, you know, don't know all the ins and outs. So it's kind of like a like a noob's guide to, uh, to speed running. And uh, yeah, I just want to give him a shout out because the, I mean, he didn't write the guide, but he like sent it to me and he sent me some extra tips about like, no, here's some things that are in the guide that I think you can actually cut out and here's some stuff that I don't think is helpful. And, um, and it was uh, the stuff that he told me in the guide he sent me were incredibly helpful. So I ended up my fourth time through, I ended up beating it on a speed run. I came in it, I think it was like, the goal time was three and a half hours. And I think I came in at like two hours and like 57 minutes or something. So I was like within about a half an hour of the goal time. And I unlocked the unlimited pistol. And when I did that, I sort of thought to myself, I was like, God, I played the game four times now, like now that I have this unlimited pistol, like I'm kind of like tuckered out. I don't even really like want to go back and play with the unlimited pistol. Cause like I played it so much over the past few weeks and then, but that didn't stop me. I immediately started a new game and I got the limited pistol out. I was like, oh yeah, I just want to see how it feels. Like I kind of want to see like the stipulations of it and whatnot. And I got the limited pistol. It's in the first item box you find in the game, which is about 10 minutes into the game, um, maybe 15 or 20 minutes, depending on how quick you are. And I just kind of took off and kept playing. And it's been like this nice, like freedom of gameplay because I don't have to carry pistol rounds. Um, I have a limited ammo in the pistol and that like frees up Uh, inventory slot, because inventory management is a big thing in Resident Evil 2, Um, and it's just been nice. It's been nice to go around and just shoot everything as much as I want to shoot it without having to, like, really be concerned about headshots, because in the first um, four times through the game, now that I'm on my fifth time, I was, like, really concerned about taking a long time to set up my shots and to make sure I got headshots every single time, and every time I would, like, miss a shot, I would get really mad because the aim is really scarce, but It's been like incredibly nice to just run around the police station and shoot everything like 50 times to make sure it's dead. I don't have to worry about uh, ammo or having to worry about carrying ammo or anything like that. And I still you still have to carry ammo for the rest of the guns. It's not unlimited ammo for everything, but just like having the pistol with unlimited ammo is super nice. And so I am about 90 percent of the way through my fifth playthrough, and I'm pretty sure when I finish my fifth. I think I'm gonna go for the hardcore run for my sixth and try to unlock the unlimited submachine gun. Um, I'm a little bit scared about it, but and like after reading the guide though, it's weird how like simple certain parts of the game seem like once you kind of know like what you can and can't get away with, and once you know like, oh, if I hide over here in this boss fight, it makes the boss more difficult to attack me. You know, just like little stuff like that. Where like originally, some of the stuff would like because I was getting kinda like kind of frustrated in my second and third runs because there's just like. I don't know. I just, like, really wanted to just, like, get the game over with to kind of get where I was going. But there's certain barriers in the game that kind of make it a little more difficult. And I was getting kind of annoyed and kind of impatient. But once you, like, read through a guide and figure out, like, what is going on and kind of, like, guide you in the right directions and everything, um, the game gets a lot easier. And I kind of appreciate that about it. But I still... I mean, I can't remember the last game. I mean, I guess probably, like, Hitman 2 was the last game I did this with, and that wasn't that long ago, where... As soon as I finished it, I played it over and over and over and over again. But this doesn't happen that often with me, so I don't know if that speaks to my taste in games or how great Resident Evil 2 is or whatever, but I've been playing the hell out of it. Probably will play it another time through to unlock the next gun, and then I might call it quits after that, but we'll
0: just have to see how it goes. Interesting, interesting. Well, I have been picking away at Resident Evil 2. Um, I haven't even finished it yet. haven't even finished Leon's Scenario A yet. So you're like, <laughs> you've finished the game like so many times already, and I haven't even finished it even like half of a time yet. Uh, one question, I, I remember playing this back in the day, and I remember it being different, like you getting different parts of the story. So back in the in the original version, it did seem worth it to do a full run of like a Leon slash Claire or Claire slash Leon Uh, But I mean, basically, everybody is saying like the scenarios are so similar this time. Uh, And a lot of people that I've talked to have even said like scenario B just seems more of like a difficulty upscaling more than like something that's really, truly different. I mean, I know you're a super fan. I know this is your game of the year already, so you're already kind of biased. But I mean, is there really any value in playing like Claire once you finish with Leon is just to see the other part of the cutscenes? Do you feel like it's really that different? I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of I'm kind of wondering.
1: Um, I don't think it's that different, but I do find value in it. Like, I mean if you I mean I, I mean I guess it just depends on how much you like it. Because if you like finish the game and you're just like, Oh yeah, that was fine, then probably not. But I mean if you like it and you kind of like want to see the rest of the story, then I would definitely recommend it. And plus scenario B is like a little bit shorter. Um it's like a little bit shorter and a little bit harder, but it probably once you play through it once, and then you get to scenario B, because it is so similar to scenario A, you'll probably like more or less know what you're doing and be able to get through it a little bit quicker. Um, But you know, that being said, if you play the game, and you don't really think it's that great, or you think it's just okay, then I I mean, scenario B is not going to do anything to change your mind
0: drastically about the gameplay, because it's pretty similar to the first scenario. I guess I'm just kind of preemptively disappointed that it's not at least as different as it used to be, because I thought that was pretty cool the first time around. Um, we don't have to talk about details, but there's a few details that people told me that were gone, which I was like, oh, damn it, that was a good thing. <laughs> I'm sorry, that thing's not there anymore because I really like that part of it. Or, you know, we can talk about more more in-depth spoilers later on. But so, I mean, I guess, I, you know, I can't really talk because I haven't finished the game, so I can't really say it. But just hearing about it so much, that's like everybody's main complaint about it. And that, to me, seems like a really weird place for Capcom to kind of fall down on. Like I, Like everybody was expecting it to be as good or better. And it's like the one place where they kind of backslid a little bit. So that was kind of strange. Um, but, you know, I did. I did. I haven't been playing it. It's tough because I've been working a lot right now. I don't have very much free time. So I'm trying to play it in bits and pieces when I can. But I got to be honest, like, it's really hard to remember what I'm doing when I put it down. Like, I, I kept a little notebook where I was jotting down notes and like combinations to things and all that. And so that was kind of helping me out a little bit. But it's like, oh, I'm at the same point uh, where was it going again? What was my next, where did I, mm, let's just pick a direction and see if this triggers something. Okay. Now I think I'm okay back on track. So it's really tough to play it in fits and starts. Like I, I got off to a pretty good start. Like the first two days I was able to put in some, some good sessions. And so I felt like I had some momentum going, uh, and then I put it down for like a week. And when it came back, I'm like, I don't remember what I'm doing like at all. So that's really difficult, but that's not the game's fault. I mean, that's my own, you know, my life schedule and just things going like that, but it's been fun. I've been enjoying it. Um, you know, that said, I, I think I'm at a point in Leon's scenario where I'm basically out of bullets almost. And so I'm like, uh Oh, this is going to be trouble. I just got the flamethrower. And once that's out of gas, it's out, right. There's no refueling it. There are like one or two
1: canisters to find around.
0: Okay. So I'm trying to be cautious, but I just got to a section where there was like a lot of stuff that I felt like I had to kill and I'm not really good at juking. So like I get caught every time I try to save bullets and run. So that's not any good. And I gotta be, I gotta be, I gotta be perfectly fucking blunt with you, dude. (laughs) I have to be perfectly blunt with you. This game needs a fucking dodge. Like no one's business. Like I just, I mean, I know that the original didn't have it, but i cannot imagine that it would have been game breaking to give them a dodge because i want to dodge so many times and you just fucking can't and it's like dude every game in the world that you dodge i mean even a little even a little something would have been great because i you know i try to bait the zombies one way and then try to run around them and i inevitably get caught like every single time dude so i don't know if i'm just doing it wrong or i'm just my reflexes aren't fast enough or just I, whatever dude but i just i want to dodge button so bad and i just it, it's really frustrating Um, so I've got like, I've got like two shotgun shells left and I think I'm in trouble, Corey.
1: (laughs) I've been, uh, actually thinking about the dodge thing a lot because one of my favorite things about, um, and this is like a not very celebrated game in this series, but Resident Evil Revelations 2, which is well loved that we have both talked about on the show a bunch of times is that game has a dodge button. It's just a face button. And basically you press it when you're running any direction, they just do like the smallest scramble, like one way or the other. And like, it's one of those things where, like, in Resident Evil 2, I do, like, on one hand, I think it would be incredibly beneficial, because the zombies, like, like, the zombies are, like, that. they, I, like, I kind of wouldn't, I mean, I, I'm about to say I wouldn't hesitate, but here I am, like, stumbling over my words and hesitating. Um, I would, like, hesitantly say that the strength and quickness at which the zombies can turn and grab you from, like, a pretty far distance is, like, alarming and unfair. But at the same time, that's kind of, like, what makes the game the game. But I wish... So I often think the same thing, where I'm like, man, it would be so nice if there was just, like, a dodge button or, like, a roll button or something. Because, like, the way that the characters, the way that Leon and Claire move in the game, like, it's it's not like people in real life would move because they're very kind of, like, rigid in their movements. And it's just, like, I don't know, it's one of those things where it's, like... You know obviously you're not going to be able to have a game's characters react exactly the way like humans in real life would react because you know there aren't enough like face buttons and button combinations in the world to allow you to do all of that but at the same time like i feel like they could have done just like a little bit something more i mean i got like the defensive weapons are there and that's kind of like your fail safe if you can't like if you can't dodge or can't get away but even those are limited and they take up inventory space. So like, they're not always the best, uh, you know, at doing what they're doing. But I feel like a dodge button would not be the worst thing for Resident Evil 2 to have.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially considering, like, I've had a combat knife before and I've stabbed many things with that thing and it is never broken. I've literally never broken a combat knife, dude. So like, I, I kind of take issue with how fragile they are. And with how many headshots these zombies take, I mean, that combined with the lack of a dodge it's like, OK, I get it. You're not supposed to kill everything. But if I'm supposed to dodge things, then let me dodge them. Otherwise, <laughs> I'm going to kill them. So like, I feel like there's not quite enough bullets to kill everything efficiently because I feel like I'm really, really low right now. And I've been combining the gunpowder and I've, you know, I, I don't leave a room until it's blue on the map, which means you found all the items. So I'm doing pretty thorough search. I'm not leaving a lot of red rooms behind me. And I feel like I'm running out of bullets. So I'm either a really terrible shot or I'm killing too many things. <laughs> but I just feel like my dodging is so bad that if I don't kill things, then I'm just going to get caught because I can't dodge them effectively. So I feel like I feel like Capcom kind of missed a the trick there. I feel like it's a little bit unfair and I'm a little bit... not mad at it or anything. I just feel like it could be polished up a little bit. But I am enjoying it um, more than I thought. At the same time, it's too scary for me to play at night and I'm also not at home during the day. So I find it really hard to find the time to play. So it's going to be probably a while before I finish it completely. Uh, but I'm still chipping away at it. I was actually playing it earlier this morning, doing doing some sections. So I'll get there at some point. So we'll see. We'll talk about it again, I'm sure.
1: Uh, this is not the last time we'll be
0: talking about this. That's for damn sure. <laughs> that is for damn sure. That is for damn sure. OK, let's move on really quickly. Uh, Apex Legends from Respawn Entertainment just came out, I don't know, a week, two weeks ago, something like that. Maybe last week. It was last week because it came out on the day we recorded. That's correct. So it came out like seven or eight days ago. Uh, this is the first person battle royale game from the same people that made Titanfall and Titanfall 2. Came out with kind of a surprise launch. There was only about 48 hours of PR before it came out, and I think that it was actually leaked. I'm not sure that that was an official PR blast. Um, so word started leaking two days before it came out, then it came out. Uh, it's free to play. There's no building elements, like it's a first person drop in in a squad of three and there are specific characters. Each character has a couple of uh, special powers, but then everybody has guns and stuff that's kind of based on the Titanfall universe. Uh, no jetpacks, I don't think. And I don't think you can parkour wall run like you could in Titanfall. Uh, and you just kind of go around and do your battle royale thing. Um, it has been kind of a amazing success in terms of player engagement. I think the most people they had was 25 million players, which is pretty amazing, considering it's only been out for a week, uh, that there was no PR. Uh, It's got a lot of really good buzz, and it's it's getting some YouTube play. I think it was on number one on Twitch uh, right now. I think it might still be. So Apex Legends is a thing. (laughs) I played it, and Corey, have you played Apex Legends?
1: I have played it a tiny bit, yes.
0: Okay, so uh let's go with you first i know that in general you are not a battle royale kind of a guy uh what were your impressions of apex legends and also before we get to that did you play titanfall titanfall 2 thoughts on those and then tell us what you think about apex legends
1: um i played titanfall 2 and i liked it a lot i did not play the first one because the first one was like pretty much online only um it was very much more focused at multiplayer um but i did play the second one cuz it had like a proper campaign mode and i liked it i didn't love it like as much as everybody else but i do think it's like a very well done like first person shooting campaign um and then when this came around when apex Le- apex legends which is also like could you think of a more generic title for a game um, seriously seriously ugh, like that when it came out like we talked about it last week yeah cuz you're right it did i think it launched like the day we recorded last week um I, you know, I remember saying like, yeah, I don't have anything to lose. So, cause it's free to play. So like, why not download it? Why not try it? And so I downloaded it, I think the day we finished recording and, um, and I play, so yeah. So like I played it and this is kind of like as far, I mean, it's not as far out of my comfort zone as you can get, but it's like pretty far out there because I don't like multiplayer games. I don't like competitive multiplayer games. I haven't really been into the battle royale scene really. Like I don't, I don't think I've played anything battle royale related um, at all, now that I think about it. Um, but I thought, hey, whatever, I'll give it a shot. So I played it. Whenever you started up, there's like a 15-minute tutorial that basically shows you how to move, how to shoot, how to use your special powers, how to revive people on the field. And then once you're done, it's like, all right, play the game. And so like my first experience, I you know, started matchmaking. I got paired, because I didn't realize it was squad-based. I thought it was everybody on their own. But um, like you said, you are in squads. It's three three person squads, and you kind of are supposed to work together. And whatever the last squad standing is, whoever wins, I guess. And um, and so like I spawned in with my three people, and about ten fifteen seconds into the match, uh, one of our squadmates left. So that was cool. Um, it was just the two of us, and the guy that I was playing with, or the woman, or whoever I was playing with, um. I mean, seemed to be, to know a little bit more than I did. I didn't really know anything. So I was just kind of following them around. um, And we, it took us about five minutes to find enemies for the first time. And I found, we found another squad. um, And I got rushed by an enemy and died. And then I turned it off. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I knew you were going to say
1: that. But, but here's my thing. I don't think it's a bad game. Here's my thing. Like, it's not my kind of game. So, like, I fully own up to that. But the thing that I think the game is doing massively wrong, and maybe they'll patch it in, maybe they have already patched it in, I don't know, because I played it, like, four days ago, um, they give you the training sequence. However, they default you to one character for the training segment, and then whenever you start the game, it's kind of like Overwatch, in a sense, like, every character has their own, like, special abilities. Um, and they all have, like, their own things. But they don't let you train with any character. So, like, you train with one character, and then you jump into the actual game. And it's like, all right, pick from these eight characters. And I'm like, uh, like, I don't, I don't know what any of these characters do. Like, I don't know what their specialties are. I don't have any experience with any of these people. And I know that part of the game is supposed to be like, yeah, you play to figure that out. But, like, at least give me a training area where I can select one of the characters and, like, try them out. Because I don't want to be trying characters out on the battlefield and then die like I did, um, you know, three minutes into the match or whatever. So, like, that kind of turned me off a little bit because I would have been open to it if I could have, like, done, like, a training thing with every character and just kind of seen, like, which one felt right and which one had, like, a better ultimate or, like, stuff that was more suited to my gameplay type. Um, but I don't think that was available when I was playing it. I don't know if they have plans to make that available, but I... Yeah. I just didn't want to keep like going back in on these rounds and dying over and over again. Cause I know that's what I would do. Cause I suck at these games, um, just to like test out the characters. So that seems like a pretty big, like missed opportunity on their part to me. Um, but yeah, I'm, and I'm not saying like, I'm never going to play it again, but this is pretty much my experience with anything multiplayer. I try it, I die immediately. And then I'm just like, well, nope, bye. And that's sort of how I felt about this, but, um, I still have it on the PS4. So who knows, maybe I'll try it again in the future.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, this is not really my cup of tea either. I jumped in. My son likes it a lot, but he's way more of a shooter person than I am. Uh, also younger, also got better reflexes, also has more free time. So he doesn't have the same kind of constraints that I do. Also, just as a heads up, I am seeing my electricity flash right now. So if I, if I disappear, then I am out of power. So let's, (laughs) let's continue recording as if things are going to be fine. Hopefully things will be fine. Knock on some wood that things are fine, but we may cut this recording short because I will, I will potentially lose power. Um, fingers crossed anyway. Um, so I jumped in and I just, I mean, right off the bat, I don't like the way the characters look. And for me, character design is like a really important part of any game. And I just don't like the way they look like they're not really appealing to me visually, which was kind of like a strike one for me. Uh, also like, I'm not the biggest fan of first person games. So that was also like, uh, like I'm not a fan (laughs) of that either. And it's really skill-based, which is, you know, and and this is not a criticism of the game. I mean, art design is everybody's taste. First person that's on me, Uh, but like skill-based, I mean, that's also not my thing. I'm great at lots of different kinds of games, but like being a very skilled first person shooter player is not my forte. It's not my skill set. It's not what I enjoy. I don't practice very much because I just don't like playing those kinds of games. So I jumped in, got killed like within the first like five seconds of playing, jumped in again, got killed within like five or 10 seconds, Um, jumped in a third time, started picking up like random, like, I mean, there's just not enough of a tutorial. Like I wish there was more way to get acclimated to it of like, you know, what does this thing do? I picked up armor charger or something like, well, what does this do? Like, how do I use it? What's going on? Where's all the guns? I can't find a gun. Like what's happening? And then I'm dead. And so, like, it's a pretty brutal beginning. I'm sure that a lot of people got over that hump really quickly. I mean, clearly they did, and that's fine. But for me, I kind of like you, I echo your your desire for a better tutorial, maybe a character-specific tutorial. Teach me, like, what is the way to use these characters? What is the optimal? You know, like, just just teach me about your game, bro. Like, I just want to, I'm here to play. <laughs> like, what's, what's up? Like, don't make it about try and die, because that's, like, to me, doesn't feel like a very good use of time. And it's not a very welcoming way to get into the game. But I kept playing for a little bit. And it just wasn't my jam. Like, you just jump in. You got to be really good with your shots. I just wasn't as good as the other players. I kept getting killed. And that's, you know, fine. I mean, some people love that. And that's totally awesome. It's no skin off my nose. And I'm not taking that away from them. But for me, I just, you know, I just wasn't seeing a real hook. Like, I don't like the the loot system where you just, like, you're just working towards, like, just different kinds of skin colors and gun skins and stuff. Like, it was kind of boring. And I didn't like the characters. And I was not good enough to, to win. And I just was, I'm just not feeling it. Um, not my kind of game. I don't think I'm probably gonna be playing it anymore. Um nothing, you know, no no criticism. It's just not every game is right for every player. This is not my game. I am not their player. That's totally no problem at all. Um, but it does seem to be a big success for respawn. I'm really happy about that. I would love for them to do another thing in the Titanfall universe. They say one more thing is in the pipe later this year, but there's a lot of rumors that it's going to be a mobile thing, which is kind of a pre-bummer. So I don't know if that's going to be true. Maybe it'll be an actual game. Maybe it'll be a mobile game. Who knows? Um, so I hope they do something that's still Titanfall related, that has actual Titans in it, because that would be kind of the hook for me. I like the mech suits part of it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, good luck to them. I, I wish them well. I'm glad they're still a studio. Hopefully this turns out. And uh, I mean, it's it's seeming to find itself an audience. I see a lot of people in my Twitter feed talking about it and a lot of people really like it, which is which is cool. So I wish them the best, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else there is to say, but I feel the same way. Like, I'm glad that the studio is still together. I'm glad they're still making stuff. But this just game isn't really either of our cups of tea.
0: Yeah. And that's okay. Totally okay. No harm, no foul. We can move on. Good luck to Apex Legends. I doubt we'll ever talk about it again, but uh, you never know. You never know. Um, Something that we undoubtedly will be talking about right now and again, the Division 2 beta, which just closed. Uh, Ubisoft had the most cockamamie scheme imaginable. Oh my God. Before we talk about the actual beta, it was hell on earth (laughs) trying to get inside this beta. It was literal hell because... You had to get a code from... Well, I got a code from PR. You could get one from, from PR or from pre-ordering. You got a code, and then you had to go to Ubisoft's website. But it wasn't Uplay. You had to go to the actual Ubisoft website. Then you had to find the Division 2 website. And for a while, it wasn't loading properly. They had some problems with the website. Once it was up, then you had to find a box that said, I've got my code. You enter your code there. You had to register a bunch of stuff. You had to pick which console you wanted. And then like later, they would email you a second code which would match the console platform that you wanted. And then once you had that code, you had to go to your actual console, log in to the game, and then you had to enter that code and then download the beta. And then once that was fully downloaded, and then once you log back in and once you got authenticated with Uplay, then you can play the fucking beta. It was a nightmare. It was such a nightmare. They gave me 20 codes to give out and I had to explain 20 different times to 20 different people (laughs) how to get in the fucking game. Which was a fucking nightmare into itself. I couldn't, you know, it took me a while to figure it out. It took me like maybe forty-five minutes to figure it out. It took you a while. Uh, I tried to get my son in. I couldn't get him in because I couldn't get through all the necessary hoops. Because I mean, we just ran out of time. I couldn't get the wife in because it was like this hassle. If they just give us straight-up codes and just let you go in, it would have been great. And it was a nightmare. So I mean, I, I mean, ugh, just Ubisoft, please do something different next time because this is fucking awful. I really fucking hated it. So. Um, that sucked. But once we got into the actual beta, Corey, um, give us a quick rundown of the division and what you thought of it. I'll tell you what I thought and, and what we did. Are we talking about our beta or the division one? No, div- no just talk about the division. <laughs> the I was beta. like, what? What? <laughs> what is even happening right now? What is <laughs> just div- the beta? But give people a, a brief, brief. Run down of what The Division is.
1: Okay, so The Division is a third-person kind of squad-based tactical shooter from Ubisoft. Came out a few years ago. Um, it's kind of Games of service it's one. It's the kind of game where you are playing. It's very Destiny-like, where you're getting a bunch of loot after every encounter. Um, a lot of main missions, a lot of side missions. It's kind of open world. The first one was in New York. The second one is in D.C., um, it's the kind of game where you shoot something and a number up saying how much damage you did to it. And you can shoot somebody in the head like five times and they still won't die. If you don't have a strong enough weapon, the enemies level with you, um, you get a bunch of loot, you get a bunch of guns, you can deconstruct the guns, you can sell them, you can buy new ones. Um, and that's it. How was that synopsis?
0: Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Pretty much in a nutshell. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> a so, Ubisoft nutshell.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's pretty much like if you've played destiny or something similar or any like ubisoft open world game it's like that pretty much like meshed together um and like the first one i did not think i was gonna like it but i actually had a blast playing it with you and your wife um because we played the entire campaign together which i think we've said on the show about 55 times however i don't think it would have been very good uh lone wolfing it i think it would be very boring and very difficult playing it by yourself um so whenever i downloaded the beta i'm actually kind of happy to say that before I played, before we played together, Brad, I actually played the first, like, couple of missions by myself, um, because you kind of start out in, like, an intro mission in the beta that gets you to the first, like, big safe house, like, the first big base of operations you unlock, where you do, like, your upgrades and stuff, and I did the first mission by myself, and it was pretty hard, but it wasn't unmanageable, and then I got to the base, I upgraded, I bought some skills. So I had like some new things I could do, got some new weapons. And then I did the first like real mission after that. And when I went into it, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be a disaster because it's going to be boring and it's going to be really hard and there's going to be a million enemies and I'm like not going to be able to do it. But I actually ended up having a pretty good time just doing that mission alone. Um, and maybe it's because, uh, you know, it was like the first mission in the beta. So of course it's not going to be super hard, um, but I had a pretty good time doing it alone. And then after that, you and I got together and we played through, I think we just did one a couple side missions and then one story mission.
0: Is that all we did? That sounds about correct, yeah,
1: yeah, and so um, we played together for about an hour or two, and uh i I mean on basically like long story short, it's just more division like there's I don't really see anything about like the environment aside. I don't really see a whole lot in this that wasn't in the first one, um, which is like kind of good, kind of bad because I playing it with you the other night, I actually was like having a really good time because it was nice to like have a good like co-op multiplayer shooter to play together again, like a story-based one. Cause I'm, like I said, for Apex, I'm not really into like, um, you know, like uh, matchmaking, like uh, competitive stuff. Um, Cause this is mostly PVE, what we were playing. And it was just like nice to like, get back in the routine and like play it. And like you and I were like strategizing, we were playing this mission in like a hotel or something. And, you know, we were flanking and I was on the balcony and I was, you know, taking fire from a dude at the shield so that Brad could shoot him from the side or the back. And it just like worked out really well. And, um, but like, it felt really, it's kind of felt like, like Christmas morning or something like waking up and just like having this familiar thing again to play that feels nice. Um, but with that said, it doesn't really feel any different than the division one for me. So it's like one of those things where like, if you really liked the division, then like, here's some more for you. But if you didn't like the first one, or if you thought it was just okay, there's probably absolutely nothing here. That's going to change your mind on any of it because I couldn't detect anything different than what I experienced in the first one. Um, I don't know if you did or not, but. That's sort of how I feel about it. So like, I feel like I'm giving it a backhanded compliment because I'm like on board with this and I'm probably gonna buy it day one so that I can play it with you and your wife or you and your son or, or you know, however many of us can play it together. Um, and I do like it. it. It feels comfortable and it feels nice, but it just doesn't feel any different than the first one to me.
0: Uh, ditto. Basically everything you said. I mean, uh, I I mean I did play the first division for a while on my own before I had bought copies for my wife uh, and my son because I didn't know if it was kind of going to be the thing that a family would get into. So I didn't want to buy three copies right off the bat. So I played it a little bit on my own. Um, it, it is kind of boring. Like I don't really recommend it as a single player experience. Uh, I, if you have friends that you're going to play with regularly like we did. It actually was really fun, and I thought it was a good time as friends, but it's one of those games where you need friends in order for it to be fun, which I think does kind of damn it a little bit as maybe a game that needs more pizzazz, because honestly, I do think any game should be entertaining on its own without requiring the good company of a friend to make it fun. Um, That being said, I did really enjoy it with you and with uh, my wife, and I think uh, multiplayer is pretty cool. So, but yeah, otherwise, I mean, I It didn't seem that different. I mean, it was a summertime environment rather than a wintertime environment that the first game was. They had revamped um, some of the special skills uh, because in The Division, I guess it's like very near future where it's basically reality, except for you have a couple pieces of gear that don't exist in the real world, like um, a drone that can drop bombs or like a little uh, drone that you like you throw out and it's got like little spider legs on it and has a machine gun turret mounted to it. Uh, or I guess, I don't know, maybe the military has those somewhere and I don't know about it, but uh, so like you have those things and there was little tweaks on those. Like there was a different kind of drone you can get and different, different types of those things. And I'm sure that there was uh, a bunch of things that were on, that were locked in the demo that you couldn't see, but I mean, it was just kind of those things. It was just like same basic game, but just different powers, you know, slightly different tweaks on the formula, but basically the same thing. And, and kind of like you said, also like, that's okay. Cause I had a pretty good time playing it the first time it's been enough time since the first game. I wouldn't mind going through it again uh, to play the campaign. Uh, And to give context, we played through the campaign, which took about 25, 30 hours. And then after that, we dropped off. Like we didn't sign up to the games as a service aspect. Ubisoft is really hitting that part hard. Like they're really being very upfront and saying, hey guys, we have way more of an end game now. This is more of a thing that you can commit to you can play this for like a really long time and get really invested. And to be perfectly frank with you, like that doesn't really sound good to me. Like I don't, (laughs) I I mean, I'm just, I I don't need games as a service for every game in my life. Like I, I really value having a beginning, middle and end, having a, a, a completion point where you can just walk away from something and be like, okay, I had the experience that was really good. I liked it and then be done. Not everything has to last forever. And If they, if we replicate that, like if we buy the division, all of us, and just play for like 20 30 hours and call it done, and there's we roll credits and it's good, like I'll be fine with that. Like, that's that's all I really need. I don't need something that's going to be my new electronic wife where I'm just going to be married to it forever. Like, that does not sound good to me. I'm not going to be one of those, you know, playing Destiny for the last three years straight every day for three hours kind of people. So, if that's where they're putting all the focus in the final version, I'll be a little bit disappointed um, hopefully the campaign will be satisfying enough that we can get in, get out, and say that it's a good time, but I like what I saw, I mean, it felt good, looked good, definitely looked like more of the Division, and like you said, if you did like the first Division, you're not going to like this one, if you did like the first one, it seems like it's the same, only better, which is great, if you want more of that, and I kind of do, I'm kind of in the mood for that, could kind of go for something multiplayer right now, so I'm kind of down for it, I think I'm kind of down, and you said you're you're down also, right?
1: Yeah, I am, and I think just to, like, bump one of your comments that you made, something I really hadn't thought about, was, uh, Like when you said it's been so... It's been long enough since the first one that you want to get back into it. Like that's totally right because like we played through all the Division together and this is not like a yearly release. Like the first one came out like two to three years ago or something like that. And so like it's been... Like the... I mean the first Division wasn't like a groundbreaking experience. Like it was good to play but it wasn't like super like nothing... You know, it wasn't nothing I'd ever played before. But it has been like... It's been like the perfect amount of time for getting into the beta and playing it. And I was like, yeah, like, this is a nice familiar feeling. Like, I like the way this feels. I like, you know, having a co-op game to play with somebody and, you know, it just like, it feels just comfortable and familiar. And I don't know if that's going to be like good enough for everybody. I mean, it's probably similar to how Destiny 1 and Destiny 2 felt. Um, but like I said, I'm not really super into Destiny. But it yeah, it's been like the perfect amount of time between releases where like, I don't remember, I mean, maybe this is like a good thing. I don't remember like the stuff that annoyed me about the first one. So like, I feel, I have like good, like nostalgic memories right now about it. And I'm like, yeah, totally, I'm yeah. just like totally ready to play the second one. Cause it doesn't feel like we just finished the first one. It feels like we played it a long time ago and it's been just the right amount of time for us to get into the second one.
0: Yeah, I, if this had come out like six months after the first one, I think probably all of us would have had enough of it. And I don't think we would be wanting to come back to it, but it's been a while. And, you know, I I can't think of the last time that we all got together to play something. I think, you know, me and Gina played a bunch of Monster Hunter. That was like in January, February of last year. Uh, And you didn't play Monster Hunter, so you weren't a part of that. Um, And I'm trying to think, I mean, it's pretty infrequent that all of us get together and play something. But I think this is probably the next thing that we can play. I thought maybe it would be Anthem, but I think all of us really kind of collectively bounced off of that beta. (laughs) I don't think any of us are ready to get an Anthem. Um, so, this seems like it's going to be the winner by default. So, so far, I mean, basically a thumbs up. I mean, I'm kind of looking forward to it. Sounds like you're looking forward to it. And uh, this look, looks like it's going to be the one that gets our money when the time comes. So, would you agree? I would 100% agree. All right, cool, cool, cool. All right, let's move on. Uh, I will do a couple quick mentions here and then I think we're going to wrap it up. Uh, number one, I'm going to switch the order of the agenda really quickly here. Speaking of Monster Hunter. Uh, I haven't really played Monster Hunter since last year. Uh, My wife and I went through the main campaign. We finished the entire game. We did a little bit of the high-ranking stuff, but by that point, I think we'd kind of had enough of it and we're ready to move on. Not saying I didn't like it, just, you know, it just didn't grab us like some of the earlier ones did. I put in maybe 150 hours, which sounds like a lot. (laughs) Oh, just 150
1: hours, pocket
0: change, you know. Well, you know, in any other game, that would be a monster amount of time. But when you're talking about a Monster Hunter, I mean, I've put... Five, six, seven hundred hours into into a single Monster Hunter, uh, so for me to put in one hundred and fifty and call it done is pretty unusual. It kind of says how much I kind of didn't click with it. A lot of good, a lot of things to celebrate, but in terms of my personal favorites, it's not my personal favorite, and it kind of left me cold in some aspects. But that, that's another discussion for another day. The reason I'm bringing this up now is there was a recent announcement uh, from Monster Hunter PR saying that they had a brand new uh, quest. Now, Monster Hunter often does crossovers with other properties. Most of the time it's with other Capcom properties. They've had Street Fighter stuff pop up in Monster Hunter. They've had Mega Man stuff pop up in Monster Hunter. They did a crossover with Sony where they did Horizon Zero Dawn popped up in there. There's been a couple other things uh, here and there uh, over the years. There's been a Zelda crossover, Metroid crossover, etc., etc. But this one really grabbed my attention because they crossed over with uh, Witcher 3. And I am a huge Witcher fan. I know you're not that big a fan of it. My wife and I are huge Witcher fans. We love that game. It was my game of the year when it came out. And I was like, holy shit, Geralt is going to be showing up in Monster Hunter. What is this all about? What is this? What is even happening? And it was actually really, really cool in some ways. And it was really awful in one way. So the cool way was like you play as Geralt of Rivia in Monster Hunter World. Like basically the story is Uh, He falls through a dimensional rift, which actually makes sense because there are plenty of rifts in his Witcher 3 game. That's actually a thing that happens often. So it did not really break canon for him to do something like this. Like it fit pretty well. He falls into the Monster Hunter world and there's other monsters from the Witcher universe that fall in with him. And so he has to go hunting after them. Uh, So he's chasing these weird new monsters in the Monster Hunter land. It's really cool. Uh, He looks just like he did from Witcher 3. He's got the same voice actor, which is fucking awesome because I love his voice. (laughs) There's a lot of dialogue. Like every time he picks up an item, he like talks about the item and he'll do his like dry Witcher commentary and his dry jokes, which is just amazing. And unlike the rest of Monster Hunter, when you talk to people in this, there's actually like little dialogue trees where it's like, oh, here's this thing. And it's just like the main game where you can investigate a body. You kind of do a little autopsy on it. You ask people questions. I mean, it's not super, super in-depth, but it's so... It's so faithful to The Witcher 3. Like, I was like, oh my God, I was loving like every minute of this. I was just like (laughs) drinking it. in. it was so great to have new Witcher content because I I went through everything, dude. I played literally like every quest you could do. I did all the DLC. I did like basically everything, like almost 100% of the entire game. Uh, And I just wanted more when it was done. So I was like, yes, I definitely want more Witcher. Uh, So that was great. I was just so impressed with it. It was just so cool and so fun and so neat. Uh, The problem with this particular DLC is that The special boss that you fight at the end of this boss is a (laughs) stone-cold, cheating-ass, shit-fuck motherfucker. (laughs) I hated it. It's a terrible boss. I think it's really cheap. It's really not fun to fight. And the problem is that since you are playing as Geralt, you cannot equip all of your super-strong Monster Hunter gear that you have spent hundreds of hours creating. Like, you cannot bring in your own weapons. You cannot bring in your own armor. You can't bring in any of the things that, um, you know, help your game. For example... Uh the monster that you fight, he can make you bleed, which like drains your life little by little. And there's lots of things you can do in the main game to stop that. You can put on like this armor that stops bleeding altogether, or there's like little charms you can put on that, that ameliate that, ameliorate that. But you can't do that. Like you just have Geralt and he's great, but like he is balanced so that this fight is a real challenge. So like you can't just steamroll it if you want to. And I think they got the balance wrong because it's really easy to get stun-locked by the boss. Uh, I think the boss has a lot, too many distance attacks that are really hard to cope with. And any of the weapons that Geralt has, I feel like don't do enough damage. And so it becomes a really long drawn out fight. That's really painful. I think I lost it like four or five times in a row, which is really unheard of for me. I mean, not to brag or anything, but I know Monster Hunter and I'm pretty fucking good at Monster Hunter. And for me to lose, (laughs) for me to lose a battle like four or five times in a row is like, that's like never happened to me like ever. So that was kind of shitty. Um... So I don't like the boss. I think the boss is too hard. I think it sucks a lot of the fun out of it. I would have much preferred if they just let you be Geralt and just kick ass and just roll through it and have a good time. Uh, But that's not how Monster Hunter operates. But that aside, know that the boss is a cheap bastard. But other than that, fucking awesome. Like so awesome. I just was like, this is the best DLC ever. Geralt in Monster Hunter totally works. This is a natural fit. It is so fun and so good. I was loving. I was living for it, dude. I was living for it. So I definitely recommend it. To Witcher fans, if you are familiar with Monster Hunter, um, you will have to be because you can't just dip in for the the Geralt stuff. Like You have to be a certain level to access the quest. The quest will kill you if you don't already have Monster Hunter skills. So it's like you got to kind of be in both worlds. And I don't know where the Venn diagram of that lies between Monster Hunter (laughs) and Witcher. But if you are in the middle, this is for you. And I super loved it, except for that boss, which totally fucking sucked. But other than that, it was really good kudos to capcom for getting that right taking the time to get it right the right music the right voices the right sounds the right lines the right i mean just everything about it was was spot on it was really really good and
1: is this just like a free thing you get for playing it totally free as long
0: as you own monster hunter you can download it for free no cost at all
1: oh dang that's incredible
0: yeah it was pretty cool it was really cool it must have cost them a pretty penny to get the voice work lined up and to get the assets and get everything put together i mean you know something like this was a pretty big deal and they nailed it. Like they did it really, really well. So good stuff. There's also going to be... So this, this quest where you can be Geralt is forever. That's always going to be in Monster Hunter. So you can buy the game a year from now and you'll still be able to do this quest, which is awesome. There will be a limited time quest coming up, I think next week, where you fight a super powered version of the boss that I fucking hate. And you do that with <laughs> other people. I don't think I'm going to be up for that, but that will be happening for like about a limited time. So if you want to get even more content, you can do that. So heads up. There you go. Uh, one more thing for me to mention before we bail is Astroneer. Do you remember me talking about Astro before, Corey? I do. I got this originally on the Xbox preview program, kind of like their early, early access program. Uh, the developers are really cool. I believe they're here in Seattle. I've uh, met some of them. Nice people. Uh, this game was kind of like a No Man's Sky-ish sort of a thing where you play as an astronaut. It's also multiplayer as well. You can uh, go down to a planet and like gather resources and build little things on your planet. Like you can build like bases and machines and kind of things that help you harvest more resources and kind of just go along and, you know, kind of be creative on this alien planet. Um, It's very cute. The aesthetics are very cute, bright and colorful, and the astronauts look cute. The machines all look like adorable and like little sci-fi and the cutest like little Fisher-Price kind of way. It's really nice. Um, It's been in early access for what feels like forever, but they (laughs) finally just released uh, 1.0 a couple weeks ago. And so it's out as an official quote unquote finished product on PC, also on Xbox One. I don't think it's anywhere else. So I jumped in to check it out and they've done a lot of great stuff. I mean, it's definitely more polished. I think the systems make a lot more sense. It's still really fun to play. Controlling things is really neat. Uh, they give you an okay tutorial. The tutorial could be a little bit better because once you jump into the main game, there's still a lot of questions you have, or at least I had, but you know, you, you, you dink around for a while, you figure things out, you see what connects to what, and you start to put, uh, you know, two and two together. So I spent maybe two or three hours the other night on it, just like jumping in, uh, being a little astronaut on this alien planet, like mining for resources, building my base, Making machines that you know mine more resources and doing all this kind of little stuff. It was really really fun. I think it's super cute and adorable. I just want to give this game a big hug because it's just so adorable. Um, (laughs) It's really nice. But as I played, I started detecting like one kind of problem with it that for me is a big problem. Uh, May not be a big problem for other people, but I didn't realize that this game actually has no point. Like there is no end game. There's no story mode. There's no ultimate goal. Now I, I, I knew that when they were in early access, that was fine because they were working on it. I figured they would pop a story into it later or whatever. Uh, but now that they're at their, their 1.0, I'm still not detecting any purpose to it. Now, I mean, of course there's a the purpose of like, just enjoying what you're playing, just the tactile sensation of being in the world and just, you know, being there, and doing things, and building things, and there's no combat, so you're not going to get killed by things, and it's a pretty safe, kid-friendly sort of a game. I mean, I dig it, like, in a lot of ways, but I am definitely the goal-oriented gamer, where I need to be working towards something, whether it's, you know, get off the planet, or mine a million dollars worth of resources, or build the biggest house you can, or something. Like, I kind of need something to be working towards. And I got to be honest with you, dude, like as soon as I realized there was no ultimate goal, my interest in it kind of just like evaporated. Like I'm like, oh, this is just me wasting time. I'm not really building towards anything and I'm never going to roll credits. And there's not a big, a big purpose to me doing this other than the simple pleasure of doing it, which is fun, but I'm not going to do that again. I just am kind of done with it. So I hope that they patch in some kind of a story or some kind of a goal, because I mean, I mean, it doesn't make it a bad game, but for me personally, I need to have an endpoint, or else I just can't commit. And I know that some people don't care about that. My son doesn't care about that. Other people don't care about that. And that's totally fine. Uh, But for me personally, I got to have something to work towards that kind of lets me have that drive to keep pushing forward. If I'm just doing it just to do it, that's not enough of a goal for me, no matter how fun or cute the game is. So uh, I'm probably going to stop playing for now. If they do come back and patch a story into it, I would love that. And I would come back to it in a heartbeat if they did give me an end goal. Um, but I did put in an email to PR and I said, hey, am I wrong in thinking that there's no story, no goal? And I never heard back from them, So I'm going to take it to mean that there is no goal. <laughs> uh, so I, I think it's great. I think it's really cool if you have a kid or if you want like kind of a fun open world mess around game that's really like consequence free and easygoing and fun to play around with. And, 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 kind of big sandboxy sort of thing. I think it's great. Like I really like it a lot and I love basically everything about it, except for the fact that there doesn't seem to be an endpoint. And that, like I said, that's not a problem for some people. For me personally, that is a problem, uh, a big one. Uh, but for other people, I think, uh, it's probably no big deal. So if you, it sounds good to you, if this, if this sound goods to you, that's not a right sentence. If this sounds good to you, check it out. I, I definitely recommend it. And I think it's, uh, got a lot of good going for it. I think it's very fun, but uh, just be warned that it's it's fun for the sake of fun, not that you're going to be saving the universe or, you know, becoming the CEO of a space corporation or rescuing yourself from being stranded on a planet or something. I think if there was a mode like that, it would put this game over the top. It would be something I would probably put a lot of hours into. But for now, I think Astroneer and I are going to part ways on, on good terms, but still parting ways.
1: So if it's like a space exploration game that has no point, then it really is like No Man's Sky, isn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. It kind of is. Although to be honest, like No Man's Sky has gotten better about that. They've been adding more and more story as they've been going along. I think that they probably probably realize that a lot of people like me actually do want that in their games. So hopefully the Astroneer people, um, I think they're a fairly small team. I mean, I don't know what the resources are like. They've been working really hard for a long time. So I definitely want to congratulate them on shipping a final product, but hopefully they will at some point realize that some people really do need those goals in order to commit to a game. And I'm hoping that in six six months, I'll be coming back on the podcast and saying, hey, I finished the campaign. It was awesome. I love this game. Hugs all around, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes.
1: Yeah, maybe they'll get um, a story mode or some objectives in there quick enough for you to um, I mean, I don't know if this would end up like on your top 10 of the year, but like maybe if they do it and do it well enough, they'll do it quick enough for you to be able to talk about this game on our Game of the Year show.
0: I mean, honestly, I could I could easily imagine that because so much of this game is cool and well put together and fun and it fills a particular niche that not many games fill. I mean, I could easily see it being a top 10 game if there was just like a story, something to work towards just so you could have a, a beginning, middle and an end to it. That would be It would be not inconceivable to think of it being in that kind of a discussion. But as of right now, it is not there yet. So fingers crossed. Best of luck to the team. Best of luck with their game. I think it's really cool. And I do recommend it if you don't need an ending. So yeah, I mean, thumbs up, you know, thumbs up. Not for me exactly all the way, but still a thumbs up. So
1: I feel like our theme of the show today has been, yeah, this is an all right game, but it's just ultimately not for me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that is. Well, I mean, so last time we did like a none of this stuff is good show. Today, this is like a, this is not quite for me show. Next show should be Everything is Awesome show. We're kind of going to cycle through them. So mm. I think next time we'll be on the other, the other peg of the wheel. I hope so. We shall see. We shall see. Anyway, folks, this brings us to the end of the show. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, in the meantime, please remember that you can send us your comments, thoughts, feedback, ideas, anything else you'd like to. We'd love to hear from you. We read all the comments. We, we invite your input please reach out and let us know what you think of the show, what you think of the content. If there's something you'd like us to cover, we are wide open here. So send us whatever you like. You can also, oh, I should probably tell them where to send it to. Did I say it? <laughs> did I say the email or I, did I not? I don't think so. I don't think I did. Okay. So video games podcast at gmail.com. You can also post comments for us at gamecritics.com once the show goes up there. There's a comment section at the bottom of each podcast, so please feel free to leave a comment there. We're also on Twitter as a show collectively, at Games. You can also reach us individually. I am on Twitter and Instagram, although more so on Twitter. Uh, it's my name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y, all A's, no O's. Corey, where can people find you on the social media? My uh,
1: handles are also my first and last name. I would be Corey Motley, C O R E Y. M-O-T-L-E-Y, and that is true across pretty much every platform. Twitter is what I use the most, then Instagram after that, and then, I mean, those are, like, my main two. So just do that, or just, like, Google my first and last name. Um, I don't know if I've said this before, but fun fact, if you, like, a Google image search, my first and last name, and you scroll down far enough on Google image search, you might find a picture of me with my butt out somewhere.
0: Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Hold on. I got to Google this right now. We're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, no. We'll save it for that <laughs> for Anyway, folks, uh, that brings us to the end of Corey Motley. Also, the end of another So Video Games. See what I did there? I just tied that right in. I see what you did. Thank you for joining us, folks. And stick around after the music for post-show banter if you are so inclined. If not, no worries. Uh, but that's it for this episode. And this is also Bye from Brad. And bye from
1: Corey. We will see you guys next week.
0: It is Monday. I didn't realize it was Monday because I've been neck deep in the snow apocalypse, dude. It's been crazy, but we don't have to talk about that at first, unless you want to. What? And and I guess circling back, thank you for reminding me that it was Monday because I would not have shown up to record. Uh, what is a uh, what is uh, on your plate, man? How are you doing? What's things What's things going? What's I can't talk. English is hard. <laughs> How are you doing? Um, what's up?
1: I am. I'm just like really tired today. Today's just like. It's, like, th- there's, like, a lot of factors happening right now. So, first of all, like, I'm not responsible or, like, I don't have enough, like, wherewithal to, like, go to bed early ever. So, I stay up way too late. Well, oh, you give me
0: both, sister. Yeah.
1: yeah. And then I get up for work with, like, three to four hours of sleep. And then I go into work. And today it was just, like, uh, it was, like, I got to work and I had, like, a million incident reports. And I've been doing, I've been working on this thing for kind of like my boss's boss who works in our suite in the, uh, in the department that I'm in. And she's one of those people who she like has, I mean, she undoubtedly does like a pretty good job at her job. And she, um, and, but she has like a lot on her plate and she's one of those people where, and like this literally happened last week where I like, sent her an email about an incident report we got, and it was about a person that she, like, I guess, sees regularly. And so I emailed her, and I asked her, like, three questions in the email because I just needed to, like, clear up a few things so I knew what to do with this incident report. And she's the kind of person who, like, this literally happened. I sent her an email, and I asked her, like, three quick questions about, like, hey, what do you want me to do with this, basically, she sends me back an email that just says the word sure with a period. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like,
0: Oh my God. It's, it's, she's just like,
1: she's one of those bosses. And I mean, I think like generally she's like a good person or whatever, but she just like, doesn't have very good communication skills. And whenever you're like, the head of a department, you, like, need to have good communication it's kind skills. kind of
0: fucking crucial. Kind yeah. Kind of crucial.
1: So, like, she doesn't have very good communication skills, and she's also one of those people, and this is part of what stressed me out today, is, like, I've been working on basically gathering, there's, like, a board meeting for the university coming up soon, and I've been, like, gathering a bunch of this uh, case data for her based on, like, um, like certain types of incidents, uh, whether they be, um, like, victim support or, like, conduct stuff, and she, like, so she she does a thing, you know, speaking of bad communication, where she'll email me, she'll email me and my boss, or sometimes she'll email my boss to email me so it can, like, he can kind of translate what she's trying to say. So she'll email me, and she'll be, like, hey, I need this and this, and, like, I, like, most of the time, like, I think I know what she wants, but, like, in the system that we use at work, there's about a million different ways I can get a million different things, or actually, it's probably, like, Five million different ways I can get one million things. So there's there's like a lot of different ways to do things. And there's like a lot of different ways to run reports based on like certain dates or certain time slots or like when incident reports were submitted versus when like the incident happened and like all of this stuff. And she's one of those people where she'll be like, hey, I need this and this, and she won't give me like a lot of detail. So like I'll get the thing that I think she needs, and it's like and like the stuff that she needs is not insignificant. Like it takes me like half a day to get this data because I have to run like a bunch of different reports. I have to like tally all this stuff up. I have to export it into Excel and I have to like sort and filter all these different things. And, and you know, and then like write these numbers down and like I'll get her something. And then every time like I'll send it to my boss so he can kind of like categorize the information and then give it to her and then she's one of those people who, like, I'll get her the information that she originally asked for. And then, like, as soon as I give it to her, she'll be like, oh, well, I also need this. Or, oh, uh, I want, yes. I want oh, yes. a, a different version of this. And then I'll send it to her again. And she'll be like, okay, well, actually, I want this too. And I'm like could you just tell me everything you want? Like, this isn't the first time our department has run data and run analytics on this kind of stuff. Like, I'm the newest to it, but I'm pretty capable of doing it, minus, like, a little incident that happened last week. Um, But I'm, like, pretty capable of getting all this data. And I'm like, this isn't, like, this is kind of my first rodeo, but it's, like, nobody else's first rodeo. And, like, you should know what you want, and you should be able to ask me for all of the things that you want instead of, like, Giving me this task and then it takes me half a day to do it and then a day or two later you say oh no actually I need twice the data and then I get the the other set and then oh no actually I want this other thing and I'm just like oh my god like please just just tell me everything you want from the beginning and then I can get you everything you want and like tell me and she's also one of those people where like I'll send her like I sent her like these like four or five tables of data and like I had some of them sorted a certain way by a certain thing and I like send it to my boss he sends it to her. And then she emails us back and she's like, I need the incident sorted by this thing. And it's literally in one of the tables already. And I'm like, if you had taken five fucking seconds to look over it, then you would have seen (laughs) that it was already there and it was already sorted the way you wanted it. And it's just like... I mean, like, I oh, like yeah. her and I think she's all right. And, you know, she'd probably, like, fire me if she ever heard this podcast. But I know. it's just, like, <laughs> I I'm... But the the thing about it, too, is, like, everyone in our suite is frustrated by her behavior. But because she's, like, our boss's boss, like, you know, we can't really, like, do anything. I mean, she's not doing anything, like, super egregious that's worth, like, getting fired or anything. But it's just, like, she has bad communication skills. And she's one of those people who, like, you can be, like, waist deep in a task And she'll email you and be like, hey, I need you to do this for me immediately. And doesn't like ask you about like what you're working on, what your workload is like, what you're in the middle of. It's just like, hey, here's my email to get this for me now. And it's like, she doesn't, it's just weird to me that she's like kind of a touchstone for a lot of the students of the university to talk to about certain things. And she has like awful communication skills with her employees. And I'm like, I don't understand, like, what the students are getting out of their interactions with her, but, like, if the employees are getting this kind of interaction, like, it just doesn't seem like the best scenario. So today was, like, one of those days where I was just, like, on a time crunch to run a bunch of reports, and then I forgot that I had um, a meeting because one of our departments on campus is trying to sort of, like, interweave the workload that they do with the workload that I do. And in turn, I'll kind of be, like, doing, like, opening some of their cases for them, which I think is a win across the board. But it's just going to, like, yeah, I mean, it's, like, anytime you work for, like, a big corporation or, like, a school system or whatever, or higher ed, like, it takes, like, what you think should take a week ends up taking six months to get approved and to get done. yeah,
0: So it's, like, one of
1: those things. And, like, everybody has to have a hand in it, and everybody has to have a say, and it has to get approved by a million people, even though, like it's just like the right thing to do. And so today was one of those days where like, I forgot that I had that meeting. And one of my coworkers who I really like came over to my office and she's like, Hey, um, do you want to, she's like, we're going to leave at about, um, 10 50 to drive over to the, cause there's like another admin building. That's like 10 minutes away from our campus. She's like, we're going to drive over there for the meeting. And I looked at her and I was like, Oh my God, is that meeting today? And she's like, yeah, it's on our calendars. And I was like, yeah, I totally forgot to look. And I was like, neck deep in getting this data for my boss's boss. And I was like trying to get it really quickly because the board meetings coming up. And, and then I had like the meeting that got dropped on top of me on that. And then like, this isn't even counting like the primary work, the opening cases that I'm supposed to do. I didn't even start doing until like noon today. Cause we fucking drove over for the meeting. And then like two of the people we thought we were going to be that we thought we going to be at the meeting, weren't even there. So like, we didn't even really get that much accomplished. And then we like, drove back to campus, and I, like, finally got to get settled into my job and, like, actually open cases, which is kind of, like, my primary thing, and I didn't even, of course, because I started so late, I didn't get that much done today, so that means tomorrow when I go in, there's going to be even more work that's going to be mounting up, so it's like, oh, my God, it's just, like, a lot of stuff going on, and I was kind of stressed out, and then, like, to top everything off, there was, like, this incident, which I cannot go into detail about, but there was, like, an incident that happened, at the university with like a student who just put it lightly was like not doing very nice things and
0: oh dear that sounds quite ominous
1: yeah i mean i can like tell you about it later but it's definitely not show appropriate but it was just like i i had to there were like so because sometimes when like big things happen like everybody files a report about it so i read like eight reports about this one incident which is really fascinating though because then you get like everybody's point of view on it but like I just had to, like, reread, like, what the student did, like, over and over, and it was just, like, one of those things, like, I don't get bothered by a lot at work, but it was one of those things where I was just, like, oh, my God, like, can we just open a trap door and just, like, drop the student into (laughs) it immediately and get this student away from campus as quickly as possible, because I, oh, my God, I just did not want to deal with this. So yeah, like not only was my day full of like all these stupid roadblocks, then it was like, of course there was like a big incident with like a terrible student. And I was just tired. I'm just tired, Brad.
0: (laughs) Oh Jesus. Oh Jesus. Although that would be kind of dope if there actually were trapdoors at the university. Be like, you know, (laughs) you just send a guy down a hallway and push a button. Whoop. Problem solved. That would be so nice. I could set up a couple of those in Washington, DC. I think it would benefit the whole country, honestly. (laughs) Well, that sounds like a lot, dude. That does sound like a lot. And that, you know, although actually it kind of made me think like I do want to you should set up a little camera in your in your cubicle, (laughs) because I think like a live web stream of you at work would be pretty fucking entertaining where you're just like, you know, you get you get there in the morning and like we could all tune in like across the country and you'd be like, you know, Corey's fresh in the morning. He's had his donut and coffee. He's getting ready for the day. And then some shit happens, and then just to see the look on your face of like you know, oh god, like that would be pretty <laughs> precious, dude. I think we should uh, we should stream that. That would be pretty good.
1: <laughs> Perhaps I I could do like I don't know some kind of Twitch VR, not VR, a Twitch like stream about my workday. But I think I that probably would not go over very well with the administrators at my university.
0: Well, it's all about the clicks anyway, though. You'd like after that, you'd like go to YouTube stardom, and then you'd be you could leave your work behind and just you know. <laughs> Be a luminary. be an influencer, Corey.
1: Oh God, uh, the word influencer. Okay, oh my God, I haven't <laughs> even talked about this. So you're just reminding me, we're going off on another tangent here, just because the word influencer oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. bothers me so much. And you know what I hate even worse than the word influencer? Because like I watch a lot of YouTube videos, like obviously I follow a lot of people on Instagram who like think they're influencers, but really the word influencer was just like invented by PR companies to make people feel like more important than they are and to get people to sell products. And so, But something that's slightly related, but also slightly unrelated, like- that like, it's one of the stupid ass things that just like bugs the hell out of me is whenever like you go to someone's profile, I, it could be like Instagram, it could be, you know, Twitch or it could be whatever. And you know, like people generally have like their name, maybe they have their age and they, they sometimes they'll have like a descriptor of what they are. You know, maybe they're like an athlete or whatever, like on Instagram. And my number one biggest pet peeve is whenever somebody describes themselves as a content creator
0: oh content creator content
1: (laughs) creator because it like oh my god like i i get it because that's sort of like the world we live in but fucking oh my god it's like if that's the way if you describe yourself as a content creator and nothing else you are first of all the most boring fucking human being on the planet. <laughs> Cause that's the most like bare bones um, description that you could ever put on anything. And, like, if you're a photographer, say you're a photographer. If you're a videographer, say you're a videographer. But there's so many people, even people I respect and people I look up to, like, in the photography community. You go to their Instagram profile, and all it says is blah, 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 name, and then a content creator under that. And this is gonna be the grossest thing I'll ever say on the podcast, but all I can think of <laughs> when I see this is content creator, I think of, okay, well, you know what? I can go sit on the toilet for 10 minutes and I'll create (laughs) some content for you. Like
0: I knew knew you were going there. It's Uh, such a fucking
1: boring ass description. It's so annoying. Like, it's just like, I don't know. It just bothers me so fucking much. And it's such a stupid
0: thing, but it irritates me so much. Uh, I mean, I can, I can understand. I mean, some of these new titles are just titles that you just don't have a title. So you got to have some kind of title. And like, there's no real description for what you do because you live in this brave new world where everything is online and, you know, video based and hit based and ad based and revenue based and all this stuff. And yeah, I don't know. It's weird, man. It's weird because I definitely hear you about the content creator thing and about, you know, influencers and about all these new, I don't know, social social media star and stuff. I mean, it's kind of a weird title, but uh, I don't know. That's, that's our reality, I suppose. <laughs> Although I will, I will never I will never say Corey Cory Motley content creator because then I'll just think you're going to the bathroom all the time. That's that's been ruined for me forever, so thank you for that.
1: <laughs> you're welcome. Well I've I'm sorry to get the show started off on like a fiery rant, but please what Tell me how you are. Um, we did a little pre-show chat about how you're feeling at the moment, but um, it's yeah. still, it's still, oh, s- you're still buried under a pile of snow in Seattle for like two weeks in a row. Um, how is everything? It is going?
0: ridiculous, dude. It is ridiculous. This is the most snow we've had in like probably ten or twelve years. Like we, I mean, ugh, it's really frustrating because <laughs> the city is not equipped for snow. I think we talked about this on last episode or the episode before, but basically we're not prepared because we never really get snow. So like we don't really have a lot of plans or contingencies in place. Seattle is really hilly and there's been a lot of roads that are closed in the middle of downtown and all over the place because they are simply too steep. It's like it's like putting your car at the top of a toboggan run and then praying to god that you are alive when you get to the bottom of it. Like it's not okay. And so a lot of people um, cannot get anywhere, they can't leave their homes, they can't get around because it's too steep. Too many steep hills. So that's a problem and on top of that I mean, bus service is really limited. I haven't been driving at all because my car is not great in the snow on top of how dangerous it is to drive around here on top of how many fucking idiots there are in the snow <laughs> who they've got a fucking four by four. So they think that they're God and like nothing will affect them as they go skidding off the side into Puget Sound or something. So it's ridiculous. But um, it's just it's kind of rough, dude. And like I've been, you know, working at the theater. I think I mentioned that a couple shows ago, working on Romeo and Juliet. And they're so freaked out because we haven't been having enough time to rehearse and so they're like oh you know we're going to put everybody up downtown just let us know we'll get you a hotel room you can stay downtown and i'm like cool but i don't want to be in a hotel room downtown i want to be at my fucking house with my family and luckily the bus that i ride hasn't closed it's one of the emergency snow routes so hopefully they'll be able to get through but when i was coming home yesterday that bus was slipping all over the place dude like it was i mean it made it and i got home okay but there was a couple of moments where I was like, ooh, this doesn't feel so good. And I'm on a bus with, like, a bunch of weird strangers, and I'm not wearing a seatbelt. And this is kind of... I don't know, dude. Like, had that little vision of, like, we go off the side of the road, and then we're stranded. And then, you know, the bus gets buried in snow, and you have to make best <laughs> friends. And then it becomes, like, Lord of the Flies inside of a bus. There's, like, three <laughs> different tribes. And just, you know, dangerous, dangerous situation. Eventually, someone's going to have to eat human flesh, and then, you know, it'll all be a lifetime movie. I don't want to go that route, so... Uh, but I got to go early tomorrow. I got to go in. They need me. I am a vital person on this project and, uh, they need me real bad. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll get up early and I'll get on the bus. And as long as the bus gets there, I'll get there. But it's been a hassle, dude. I hate the snow. I don't, I mean, it's, it's fine if you're like in a cabin in the woods and you got a week off and you got some hot cocoa and you're just chilling and that's cool. But if you've got places to be and things to do, it is, it is not cool. I am fucking, <laughs> I'm sick of the snow. I'm sick of all this, this fucking hassle, dude. So. I know, I know compared to a lot of places, people make fun of us like, oh, that's no big deal. We got like three feet of snow and we go to work every day and schools never closed In other places. Like I get it, but we're just not that city. Like we just never have to deal with this problem. I mean, the last series of snow, like I said, 10, 12 years ago. So like imagine going 10, 12 years of just like not having to worry about something like you're not going to be prepared for it. You know, you're not going to be ready. So it's, it's been really a huge problem. I mean, I posted some pictures on my Instagram and also on Twitter. I went to the grocery store uh, the day that the snow started coming down and it was the busiest I had ever seen it in the grocery store. The produce aisle completely cleaned out. There was like, I'm not, even, this is not hyperbole. Okay. I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> not a single potato in the store, not a single egg in the store, not a single onion in the store, no milk in the store, no bread in the store, like nothing, like literally nothing on the shelf. I am not exaggerating. The shelves were bare. It looked like pictures of the Soviet Union, like, you know, from like World War II or something when there was like rationing and starvation. Or, I mean, it looked like people had looted the place, dude. Like there was literally nothing there. So we grabbed, me and uh, the son grabbed what we could. Crowded as fuck. Everybody just like, I mean, thankfully people were polite still and everybody's like, oh, excuse me, sorry. And, you know, despite being crashed into many times because it was so crowded, everybody was still, had their manners, which was nice. But, you know, we go to the deli counter, no meat in the fucking deli counter. Like everything is being bought out but we got whatever was left. We got a few things and, you know, I brought home some weird things I wouldn't normally buy because I (laughs) needed to have something, you know, like not usually one for, you know, sardine cans or tomato paste, but, you know, you got to get what you get and that's all there is. So brought some stuff home and like we got to the, the, we were going to check out, we're going to pay. And like the line was from the checkout counter, which is at the front of the store all the way through the first aisle and all the way through into the second aisle. So like, it's hard to describe how long this is. It was like, it was almost like 50 minutes from us to get From our place in line to just to get to the checkout stand because that's how full it was. And that was like 16 checkout stands deep. So imagine all those people sitting in line, the whole store being full of just people in line. Like you couldn't even get to the stuff on the shelf because people were in line blocking the shelf. You know, like it was so. Oh, it was nuts, dude. It was fucking nuts. So we did get some stuff, came home, and thankfully we've had enough food and the power hasn't gone out, thank God, because there was no firewood to be had. I, you know, I don't really chop my own firewood anymore. And we, we do have a fireplace. So once in a while we do like a nice little fire for funsies or whatever. Um, But we were like, oh man, if power goes out, we're going to be fucking freezing like shit because we don't have anything else to heat the house with. Thankfully, knock on wood, power has not gone out. Hopefully that'll stay that way. So we've been okay. Um, But yeah, it's been kind of rough, dude. Like it's been kind of rough. Like, you know, it's not, it's not like a, a giant blizzard like you would get like in Alaska or some shit. But but for this for this city and for the level of preparedness and for how often we have to deal with this, even a, even a medium amount of snow became like pretty serious problems. So we're still neck deep in it. It's actually snowing right now, dude. Like it's snowing. I have so much fucking snow in my yard right now. So I don't even know, but I will be on the bus tomorrow morning bright and early heading down there and hopefully I'll be able to make it home. Okay, so we'll see how it goes. Well, I wish you
1: the best and I hope that your bus
0: drivers are
1: safe and tactical and even like coming from me somebody who grew up in the Midwest like for 20 god I lived in the Midwest for probably 27 or 28 years and like you know it snowed every single year I mean every year we always got like one pretty big snow it was either that or it was like some kind of ice storm or something and like even with living in cities that are prepared for it that do like do like pre-salting or like pre-de-icing of the streets. And then once it snows and the plows come through, it's a fucking pain in the ass, even when your city is prepared for it. So like, I, my heart really goes out to you because I, um, yeah, even when you live somewhere where people are prepared for it and you know, there's snow plows everywhere and like a lot of the snow gets cleared pretty quickly, it still sucks and it's still uncomfortable and it's still scary. And you know, it's like living in a city where it doesn't rain very often and then it starts raining and everybody drives like an idiot. I mean, it's kind of like that, but with snow and I'm totally glad glad I so far haven't really had to deal with that down here. And I do not miss snowy weather one bit.
0: Yeah. You know, we were kind of talking about that too. It's like we haven't, I mean, Gina's from Minnesota, so she's grown up with snow and it's, you know, they handle it very differently. It's a very regular thing for those guys over there. Uh, but like now that we're, you know, like now that we like are driving in it, like it's, it's not like we're like, Oh, I hope it snows so I don't have to go to school today. Oh, please, please God, give me some snow. Like we're not like that. We're like, I got to go to someplace. Like I got to get paid, dude. Like if I don't work, I don't get paid. We got to earn some money. I don't want to be slipping off the side of the road. I don't want to get into an accident. Like there's all these dangers and problems that are associated with it. And it's, it's just not fun, dude. It's not fun. It's fine. On a lifetime movie, you watch like, you know, romance in the snow or some shit like that. I have some popcorn it's, it's good at a distance or if you're going sledding for a day, but it is not fun to live with it, especially not in a city like this and not for an extended period of time. So it is a fucking drag. It's a fucking <laughs> drag, dude. Um, let, me change, let me change the subject a little bit. Let me talk about uh, my son for if you have a couple cute kid related stories. The first was uh, Hitman. Number one is free on PSN right now. Uh, and my son, who is nine, downloaded that. He's been very excited. He downloaded Hitman and, you know, it, took, it was like an overnight download. So he was like, you know, had the anticipation and everything. Jumped into it and he's been um, chipping away at it. He's, he's seen it before many times. He's seen me playing it before. So he was kind of familiar with it. Uh, and he got into it and he finished his first ever Hitman level today. Legit, 100 percent. Did it all on his own with no help from dad. He called me over to watch some of the executions. And I'm like, good job <laughs> killing that dude. You killed him real good. And it was cool. Um he did the level from hitman one where you are in like the middle east or something and you gotta like find the general who's like inside a like that he's got like
1: a broken down school or whatever yeah Yeah.
0: yes 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 that that level that level is the one like the broken down school he did the whole bit where you you disguise yourself as the hostage that's like tied to the chair Mm -hmm. so when the general comes in to kill you you actually end up grabbing him instead and he did all this stuff and he escaped and all that. I'm like, oh my God, it's amazing. I'm so proud of you. You know, you're following your dad's footsteps killing killing random people <laughs> in hitman man games. That's amazing. Uh, and I'm like, oh, how was it? He's like, not fun. And I'm like, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> I'm like, it was fun, wasn't he? He's like, no, that was totally not worth it. I didn't like it. And I'm like, oh man. <laughs> I think he got frustrated because he tried to escape really quickly. And then it was like the car that he was supposed to take to escape, he didn't have the key to. And then he tried to get to like, there's like a, a, a van you can take in the military outpost. He didn't have the key to that either. So he was getting kind of frustrated. He eventually just like walked out the gate. And in fact, I recognize that gate as being the same one that I, to, I took when I played that game a million years ago. So yeah, he was like, oh, I didn't like it. But I bet he will be back because he likes to kill people. So it'll be fine. <laughs> um, one other really quick, cute story. Um, I don't talk about Fortnite very much. You know, we established that I play it more than I talk about it, which I think is probably true, but... In Fortnite, you, and we'll talk about this more in the main show, so we're kind of doing the time warp thing again, but I'll say this here, and then I'll say something else in the main show, but um, there's these goals that you can play. Like, it's not just about shooting people. I mean, I don't know how familiar we are with Fortnite. Do you know, like, what the season is kind of like, or what you do in that, besides shooting, or not really? Not really, no. Okay, so I'll talk about it more in the main show. Um, the takeaway is that there are these goals that you have across the whole season. The season is, I think, like 10 weeks or something like that. They'll have you do these certain things, like, you know, oh... I don't know, search five treasure chests or kill three people with the assault rifle or, you know, like, like stuff like that. And so you can just play to kill and win, or you can do these other challenges and stuff. Um, and one of the things you get is you get these really rare skins at the very end of it. So it takes like a long time. I mean, like for me, it took like eight weeks of like working at the game to finally unlock the thing that I wanted to unlock. So it's, it's not just like, oh, I'm just going to jump in and do it for a day. It's like, you got to have a lot of commitment to get there and to do it. So I got there. I have a friend that I play Fortnite with uh, late at night, and so we kind of work on those together every once in a while. Um, But then my son wanted to do it. It was about halfway through the season. He hadn't really been putting in the time, and then he decided that he wanted to to go for those challenges. And I'm like, well, you can do it, and I'll help you, but you're kind of behind the curve a little bit because you haven't been playing very much. You're going to have to really work hard to get there. And he actually started really buckling down. started setting goals for himself. He started putting in time every day. And it's not like I was telling him to. He just did it on his own, right? And so he started doing those, started knocking out a bunch of challenges. He'd call me over every once in a while and be like, oh, dad, look how far I am. And I'm like, shit, you got really far. Like, I'm, <laughs> you got pretty far. Like, I'm really impressed. with like, how far you got. And he got really, really close, really, really close to the very end, the very final skin, the one that he wanted, the one he was working towards. And the challenge was you had to kill three people in a specific part of the map. So like the map is like part of its woods, part of its like mountains and stuff. There's like a desert. But then there's also these little towns. And the towns are usually where like most of the action is because everybody goes there because that's where the resources are. It's where the guns are. A lot of people like to drop in there because you get action right off the bat. If you are like one of the first people in the ground, you can kill a bunch of people really quickly, rack up a bunch of kills um, right off, uh, right out of the gate. So it's kind of a dangerous place to go because you're very often kill. I mean, I mean, for me, I'm killed more often than I kill someone when I go to one of those places. I'm more of a drop into like a remote part of the map kind of person. Uh, but you have to kill three people in this one part of town and it's a real busy part of town. And so he got in there, he got one right off the bat and he got lucky. And then he, he got killed a couple times. He had some bad luck. He killed one more person. So he only needed one more kill to, to get the thing that he wanted to get all of the the checklist done. And he just couldn't do it. Like he was just really having trouble. He was getting picked off. Um, just, just, his luck just was not going his way. So I'm like, all right, dude, you know, this is going to be a father son moment. We're going to, we're going to jump in. I'm going to help you out. So we both, I joined him in his game. We jump in. We both uh, parachute from the plane and get down to the ground. And then we're looking around. I spot somebody in the distance. I'm like, there's this guy. There's your guy. This is the guy that's going to be for you. So like he had a gun. I didn't have a gun. And I'm like, I'm going to charge him. You come in behind me and I'll take the bullets for you. And when I fall down, you get them. And so we both ran. He was behind me. I took all the shots from the guy because he saw us coming in. He opened up with his assault rifle. I totally took like 12 in the chest and I went down just dead. <laughs> but as soon as I went down, he opened up from behind me and took that guy out. A couple headshots and he was out and he got his final kill. And I'm like, hooray, father, son team. I took one for the fam. You got your, your goal. He made it. He checked everything off his list. And that to me was a pretty sweet cap off to a lot of effort on his part. I mean, supreme effort on his part, supreme dedication. I was really proud of him for making it there. And I'm glad that I could be there at the final moment and help just push him over the top. So it was a pretty cool moment.
1: That is very adorable. You and your
0: son bonding over murdering people in video games. That's right. And I did take one for the fam. I would take a bullet for my son and I literally did it. I took like 12. <laughs> so there you go. Beat that other fathers. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. What, you, what else you got on your agenda, dude? Um, I
1: have something else slightly work related, but this is actually a fun thing to talk about. Not me bitching okay, about okay. work. Um, so one of the people that I work with is very into, like, um, I don't know if you've ever had, like, a boss like this or something or, like, a coworker like this, but, you know, there's, like, sort of an idea of working for, I mean, anyone, really, working for a company, working for something, and you're, like, kind of want to, like, strategically identify, like, your strengths and weaknesses and do kind of, kind of, like, mentory, like, bullshit about, like, what you're good at and what you're not good at and all that stuff, so... I recently took one of my coworkers is like super duper into this thing called the. And tell me if you've heard of this before. It's called the Clifton Strengths Survey from Gallup. Oh
0: God, I have not heard of it, but it sounds like bullshit.
1: I mean, it. I. <laughs> so it's kind of like if you've if you've taken like um, like a Myers Briggs like personality yes, type thing. Yes, it's kind yes. of like that, but it's like for like workplace like uh, strength attributions and. Um, And she's, like, super into this. And I think she's taken it, like, three times. And, like, her, like, attributes change a little bit every time. And, like, my boss has taken it. And she, like, keeps talking about it. And so um, basically the objective here is that all the people in my department, which there's only, like, five of us, um, we either have taken it or we're going to take it. And then she's going to do, like, a little kind of presentation and talk about, like, what our attributes are and, like, how we work together and all this stuff. Which, I mean, on one hand, I'm, like hand air jerk off motion, but on the other hand, I'm like, okay, like this is kind of cool. Like it's kind of like a neat, like little strategic thing. So I took it on, I think it was last Thursday I took it. And the cool thing is like you take it and it pretty much gives you your results like immediately. Like you don't have to like wait for it to be like interpreted or whatever. And the way it works is you answer um, the questions. It's like, it has two, there's like a scale of like one to five, but It's more instead of being one to five, it's more like zero in the middle and then like plus one plus two on either side of it in a way. And there's like a a statement on both sides of the scale and you kind of like click on which one you're closer to, um, you know, whether by one degree or two degrees or the, the neutral one is in the middle kind of acting as zero. And if you like don't necessarily fall into either one, you just like, I don't know, press the neutral button and that's it. And like some of them, I wish that I had like taken some screenshots of them because like some of them like were really funny and a lot of them were kind of like abstract and like you might think that like on the two statements that one, that they might be like opposites of each other, but a lot of times the two statements like weren't, didn't even like go together at all. You just kind of like had to choose which one because I would look at it and I'd be like, well, this isn't the opposite of this. Like how am I supposed to choose? But you just like pick and so it's kind of like a weird... um, I don't know, like scenario. And there's also, you have to answer 170 of them. And you're on a 20 second time limit for every single question. So you have to like, okay, it's very like instinctual, I guess. But what sure, I sure your
0: Your gut reaction. Yeah. yeah so. so
1: like, you don't have a lot of time to think about it. And there were a few, and the, the shitty thing is it doesn't give you a timer. So there were a few where I was like, oh my God, oh my God, I don't know. I don't know. And like, I don't, I don't know if it like times you out. Cause I never like reached the limit on a question or if it like- gives you, like, a three-second timer. Um, I didn't want to risk getting that low, but it, like, doesn't give you, like, a 20-second countdown. So I got kind of nervous about some of them, but I answered all of them, and I got my results. And I would like to share for you and for everybody listening. Um, Ooh, my Because okay. they, they go by, like, the top five is what's important. There are 34 attributes, and they literally rank you. They rank all of them. So I have all 34 ranked, but, like, the top five are kind of, like, what are the important ones, I guess, are the ones that, like, best represent you. Okay. So here, I'm going to go through my top five and I'm going to read off what the name is. And like, there's like a one sentence description of like what it means. So, my number one uh, Clifton strengths uh, attribute in my theme sequence. I sound like such an idiot right now. This is like a fucking eyebrow. My number one is adaptability, which means I prefer to go with the flow. Uh, I tend to be a now person who takes things as they come and discover the future one day at a time, which okay. I think is pretty accurate. I mean, honestly, yeah, yeah. like that's that pretty much me. <laughs> that fits. I would say that's a, that's a true. Um, my number two is deliberative, which means um, they these people are best described by the serious care they take in making decisions or choices, and they anticipate obstacles, which I think is also true. <laughs> All right, hey, good, good results so far. Yeah, like anytime I get uh, an objective for anything, I immediately start thinking about what could go wrong. I'm one of those people. So that's like pretty like, yeah, I'm very careful about my decisions and I also anticipate basically anything that go wrong. So I agree with that. Number three is intellection. And that means uh, people with the intellection theme are characterized by their intellectual activity. They are introspective and appreciate intellectual discussions. Which, like, I guess, I do. I mean, I don't... And, on this podcast. I mean, I guess. It makes me sound kind of, like, highbrow and serious. But there were, like, a lot of questions on the survey that were kind of, like, one end of the spectrum very much led to, like, I only want a few deep friendships. And then the other side was, like, I want to be friends with everybody. And every time those came up, I was, like, yeah, a few deep ones, a few deep, a few deep. Like, I don't want to be friends with everybody. So that's probably, like, I don't know, pushing me in that direction. Um, number four is relater. People with this theme enjoy close relationships with others. They find deep satisfaction in working hard with friends to achieve a goal, which is very similar to intellection, I suppose. And then number five is responsibility, which means uh, people with responsibility uh, take psychological ownership of what they say they will do. They are committed to stable values such as honesty and loyalty.
0: Oh, that's a good one. That's a good
1: one. (laughs) I think so. And just for shits and giggles, I want to talk about my very last one, um, which really cracked me up. Because my bottom ones are all like... So my very last one, number 34, is Significance, which makes me sound like a loser. But it's uh, this means... Uh, people talented and significance want to make a big impact. They are independent and prioritize projects based on how much influence they will have on their organization or people around them. Which I think it's true that this is like, the last thing on my list because, like, I'm I mean, it depends on the work I'm doing, but when it comes to like the work that I do at my job, like, I like the work I do, but it's not like I had, I didn't like get a job. This isn't like the thing I've been wanting to do my whole life. So like, I'm not really, I'm very much there just to like show up, do my work as best as I can while I'm there. And I'm not really looking to like make waves or be like super recognized because the other thing, like my coworker was telling me that a big thing about significance is like those kind of people really want to be like recognized for the work they do. And right, like, right, I right. and I very distinctly remember at a staff meeting, we kind of discussed this a while back where we kind of went around and talked about like, how we feel about working and how we want to be recognized and like that kind of stuff and there was like one person in our group who said like you know one way she likes to be recognized at work is if you know we have like a department meeting or something like it would be nice for one of the speakers to sort of like recognize her or something like that which is totally you know um you know it's totally reasonable like to let everybody know like hey this person's doing an outstanding job like just so people in the room who don't know who this person is like hey you know she's great like she's doing a good job And then whenever it came to me, I was like the only person that said this in the room, but I was basically like, um, I was like, yeah, I don't want to be rude, but like, really it's nobody's business how well I'm doing my job, except for my bosses (laughs) and mine. I was like, I understand like, we all want to be there for each other. I was like, but really like, I don't really need to be like recognized. I don't need like a pat on the back. Like, I just like, I need to know that I'm doing, like, I know if I'm doing good work and like, I want my boss to know I'm doing good work and like, I want to be recognized for that. But like, I don't need to be like called in front of a staff meeting and like recognized, And I don't need like, you know, gold coins or statues. Like I just want to show up and do my job and do it all right. Like do it well or do it well enough. And then like, have like make sure that my boss is I'm doing it well and then like get the fuck out of there every day like it was just weird because everybody was like talking about ways they like to be recognized and then I was like yeah I don't really care like I don't need like it's nobody's business like how well I'm doing at work so it's just kind of like the way that I think about things which I don't know if that's like unorthodox or not but I, I thought the significance coming in last on my survey was pretty apt for the way that I think about my job
0: well I mean this sounds like pretty classically like the intro introvert profile would you say that you are an introvert i mean i'm guessing you would say yes
1: um i think i am yeah i mean i'm definitely like because there were some questions on the survey that were like kind of about like oh if you like you you like to strike up conversations with strangers you know and stuff like that and pretty much every time i was like no not really like i i don't have a problem talking to people but like if i step on an elevator and there's one or two other people in it i'm never going to be like Oh hi, how are you? Like we've never met, but my name's Corey. Shake my hand. Like I'm not and like it's total like the world needs those people. Like the world needs extroverts. But I just I'm not really one to do that. Like every once in a while, you know, if I'm like at the checkout counter at the store, like I might strike up like a small conversation, but I've never like really one to go out of my way. And you know, there's nothing like right or wrong with that. And I also like the the survey that I took because it's not saying like Oh, you're good at this stuff and you're bad at this stuff. It's more about just like identifying the way you work and like the attributes that you kind of take into the workplace with you. It's not saying like right, oh, you're right. bad because you don't communicate, which is nice. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely more of an introvert for sure.
0: Well, that all makes sense. That all sounds like you I mean, that test sounds like it's pretty accurate based on you know our time podcasting and knowing you for as long as I've known you. That seems like it's all pretty on target. so that's pretty good. And you know, yeah, I mean, the world does need those people. And even though that you may not want the the accla- the public acclaim or you know to be recognized in front of people, you know. That's totally okay. Like, you can do a good job. You don't have to be the person who gets to the limelight. I mean, we, we need the whole world needs both people. And honestly, I think we need more people of your kind than of the other kind. But, you know, whatever. That's, that's an argument for another day. But, uh, yeah, I, I suspect that if I had taken that test, I think we probably would line up pretty closely. I mean, I'm sure everybody's a little bit different, but I'm guessing in the major sections, we probably would be neck and neck.
1: You and I would both be hardworking, responsible introverts. I told Lex that I was going to, she brought up the idea, as she's the coworker who uh, is into this okay, stuff. Um, okay. She said that she hates when people like weaponize their results. So I immediately told her, I was like, I'm going to weaponize this to death. And I, so I can start joking with her that I was like, that I basically like a, like a hardworking robot at work because I'm like adaptable and I can turn on a dime and I can do like, you know, if somebody asks me to do something, I basically will do it right then and there without really making much of a fuss. But I'm also like not... I'm like introverted and not really like relatable and I don't really want to be in the crowd. So I was like, yeah, I'm just basically like a hardworking robot and I don't, I'm, I'm lack all empathy and I don't care about anybody in the office. I just want to come in and do my work. And she was like, no, don't weaponize your results. (laughs)
0: Interesting, interesting, interesting. Well, I think that, I think that Pandad and that, I think that is pretty telling. Although not surprising. I think it's accurate, but I don't think it's surprising. Nothing you said surprises me at all. So I guess kudos to whoever came up with that test, even though I think those things are kind of douchebaggy in general. But.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think so too. And I straight up told her that, like, whenever I went, like, I printed out my results and gave them to her. And she was, like, so excited when I handed them to her. And she immediately, like, before I even had a chance to look at them, she started, like, looking over my top five and comparing it to her top five. And I straight up told her, I was like, yeah, this is kind of cool. I was like, but literally I was like doing a jerk off motion while I was taking half the test and she thought that was hilarious. But I also like, I'm concerned to like hurt her feelings a little bit because, um, she's like really excited about this stuff. And I was just like, yeah, it's just kind of like a silly, like, I don't know. Like, I mean, I guess it's accurate or whatever, but it just feels like just like kind of corporate douchebaggery to me on a pretty big level.
0: Well, and people can get really wrapped up in those things too. I mean, I I think her saying don't weaponize it, it makes a lot of sense because I think that they can be carried too far or sometimes they become kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy or people use them as like an excuse where it's like, oh, well, I got ENFP on my last Myers-Briggs. So that means I can't do this project with you because we're going to be in clash or whatever. So it's like an excuse sometimes, right? You know, like I, it can be used in a lot of bad ways if, if people are not careful about it. So I, I can see some value in that, but I think there's also just value in knowing yourself and I mean, maybe it's a commentary on our society that we need a test in order for us to know ourselves. Uh, I think probably we shouldn't need a test, uh, but maybe some of us do. But yeah, I think that thing can be, you know, <laughs> it's just like anything, like anything from any comic book, you know, it's, it can be created for good, but used for evil. So I think you got to be <laughs> careful with those things.
1: Yes, I'll do my best anyway. to use it responsibly. All right, all right, all
0: right, cool, cool, cool uh one last thing for me i think and then i'm out of banter you got anything else on your, your plate or was that did that tap you out nope i am sucked dry of all banter all right the last thing i wanted to mention was uh we were kicking it on the couch on one of our snow days that we mentioned earlier and we wanted to watch a movie we couldn't decide doing the whole um what is that thing that the uh the rings with the graph i forget what it's called the uh the pie what? chart thing where they overlap what is it called a venn diagram you we're know, like that Yeah. The Venn diagram. Thank you. I couldn't remember. I was like, I was like pie, (laughs) circle. And then I'm like, hmm, pie. I can go for some pie right now. I'm getting distracted. (laughs) Venn diagram. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, So we were doing the separate Venn diagram thing again. And then I'm like, oh, wait, wait, wait. There's on Amazon Prime, the Burbs, which I watched like 20 years ago and I haven't seen since then. And I'm like, oh, I want to I want to see that again. I seem to recall liking it, but I was probably like seven at the time or something like that. Uh, who knows if that was even a good movie or what my taste was like back then. We should watch it again. Have you seen The Burbs starring um, Tom Hanks? I believe it's from 1989. I have no idea what this is. Okay. Uh, so like, you know, Tom Hanks, he's like the prestige actor these days, but he did not start out as the prestige actor because nowadays if Tom Hanks isn't your thing, it's like you're talking about something very serious and about, you know, rights for people and about equality and heavy drama. And But when he started out, dude, he was like the... You know, the shitcom, sex comedy, weird, just, you know, cheapy movie dude. Like, I mean, you know, not, and that's not a judgment. I mean, everybody's got to get their start somewhere. Um, But so this was like kind of like in his early phase when he was still doing like weird, random comedies and had not become like this like beloved everyman that he eventually became. So this is a movie about him living in the suburbs. His wife, Carrie Fisher, if you can believe it. Oh my gosh. And I was like, oh, my God, Carrie Fisher's in this. And she looks so young. Well, like, no more, she's still alive. And, you know, she's like in here and like they're married and they're a couple. That's so like it was kind of blowing my mind from that <laughs> perspective. Um, but there was a bunch of other people in that that I recognized from back in the day. But basically what happens is there's a bunch of people living in this suburban cul-de-sac and they just like have the really typical shitty, you know, white person living in suburbia kind of a thing going. Everybody's really concerned about everybody else's lawn and who left a piece of trash out and who's doing what on their time off and everybody's in everybody else's business, you know? And so these people move in next door to Tom Hanks, uh, really decrepit rundown house. The people look like complete freaks. Like they hide themselves. And so everybody gets really paranoid and everybody in the, in the, in the neighborhood led by Tom Hanks starts prying into their business to see what they're up to. Uh, because they, they're like, are they vampires? Are they monsters? (laughs) Are they killers? Like what's going on? They're not sociable. They're not like us they're foreigners and this is weird. And we, you know, what are they doing here? we got to figure them out. And it becomes this like just huge, like comedy of errors where they just keep doing really stupid stuff and just being really inappropriate and just kind of showing how white people can really get out of control when left to their own devices sometimes. And it just really gets, it's, it's funny. And it's, it's also funny from the perspective of 1989, because you can see like what was passing for movies at the time. I mean, like the font and the script was really like 80s <laughs> and the music they picked and uh it was directed by joe dante who did gremlins and he did a bunch of special effects i really actually like joe dante's movie so i like this one too uh but it was interesting it's, it's for free on amazon prime i'm not going to spoil anything because i think the joy in it is kind of just watching them bubble along and figuring out what actually happens at the end but interesting if you want to take a little uh hop in a time machine and go back to 1989 to see what the world was like then it's really kind of jolting in a lot of ways, like really, really interesting. So it's good to go back and revisit some of those things. And it was a fairly entertaining movie. My son liked it. I think the wife liked it. Uh, I mean, not anything that I would like recommend for like, you know, hot date night or anything, but you (laughs) know, just, you know, you want just a weird movie from the 80s to watch. I think it fits the bill. So uh, the burbs I thought was pretty good. The Every time I hear the word burb,
1: I think of like uh, like a bird b-i-r-d but people say like yeah. a verb because they're being silly so all i can think about is like chubby burbs now that's what i'm thinking
0: i'm sure that someone has made that movie but this is not that movie but i can understand <laughs> i can understand the association burbs all right man that's all i got nothing else from you nothing else for me all right dude enough banter i say we talk about some games what do you say i think that sounds like a good idea all right let's talk about some games <laughs>